0: lynn hiles ministries presents dr lynn hiles that you might have life and here's your host dr lynn hiles
1: thank you for joining us again this week on the program i trust you i've been enjoying and watching every week what we're sharing we've been saying some things that i believe is fairly cutting edge probably to most people the only thing we ask is that you prayerfully consider what we're saying, and let the Spirit communicate to you whether or not it's truth or not. I'm, I'm convinced that the Spirit is the teacher of the church and the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into truth. We're going to jump back in the Word of God here in just a few moments. We've been studying the book of Hebrews, as most of you who follow us know, and we are a good ways uh, months and months into this study, really coming to the end of this study. But on the set today with me is my oldest son, Jeremy. He's been with me the last several weeks. He is the senior pastor of a church in Winchester, Virginia. And uh, that is in Northern Virginia. Mm -hmm. And he's the pastor of a church called Word That Frees. There will be some information on the screen as to how to contact them and the location of their ministry. They meet at a restaurant called Sweet Nola's. And you can join them there on a Sunday, and you will be blessed by the Word that's flowing from this young man. I say young man, he is uh, 41 now. I think it's hard for me to believe i got a son 41. But uh, he is a great preacher in his own right, and as you can tell knows the Word of God. It's a pleasure to have you on with me. The magic's always there when we're together, and it it just uh, works. We're going back to Hebrews the 12th chapter. We're not going to go to the beginning of it, because we've been uh, five programs in the beginning of it, but we're going to jump in uh, where, uh, let's go, we're going to go to verse number 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. This is Hebrews 12, verse 15. Lest any root of bitterness spring up and trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. He's talking about missing the mark here, and failing of the grace of God. He was warning these Hebrews not to go back to Judaism and to sell their birthright, which was their inheritance in Christ. And then he goes on to say, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Uh, I've never seen uh, Esau as a fornicator until I read this, and I started realizing, wait a minute, I don't know where he missed the birthright because of sexual sin, but what this is really dealing with here Uh, uh, what I began to see was that uh, fornication is operating outside of a covenant. It's intimacy or trying to have intimacy outside of covenant or in the wrong covenant. And so what He's saying to them, don't be like Esau and stay, you know, in an old covenant when uh, you, you know, you can have the birthright and in the new covenant you don't earn the blessing, you inherit it. I mean, you know, several places in the Scripture, they would ask Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in the New Testament. They are still in the Old Covenant. And they would ask Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is an oxymoron, because you don't do anything to inherit. But under the Old Covenant, their paradigm was you got to earn this. Yeah. What He's trying to say to them is, it's not something you earn, you look to Jesus, who is the heir of all things, and because He's the heir, uh, we're heirs and join heirs with Him, and uh, He's talking to them, don't go back and miss your birthright, because like Esau, uh, you know, uh, he sold it for one morsel of meat, and though he sought it carefully with tears, found no place to repent, literally to change his mind, couldn't go back. Because his brother Jacob went to uh, the Father, looking for the blessing, but he had on him the hair... Of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a lamb, or a kid. And uh, when we approach our father on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we inherit, we don't earn. And then it was on the heels of that. It's right in this is the context. I used to think it didn't fit here. But right behind that, right behind it says where he, he was rejected, though he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears, that doesn't mean he couldn't be, like, saved. It meant he couldn't, re, re, he yeah. couldn't uh, re, change his mind about the birthright. Because there's only one way into the inheritance. That's it. There's only one way. Yeah. Then right on the heels of that, he doesn't change the subject. He said, for you have not come to the mount that might be touched, that burned with fire, nor to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, he shall be stoned, or thrust through with a dart. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come to Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, and to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. So the contrast here is, you did not come Mount Sinai. That's the blackness and darkness. That's the place where they said, I'm exceedingly fearful. That's the place where God said, if you touch the edge of the mountain, you'll be thrust through with the dark. And He's so clearly telling them, you have not come to that old covenant mountain. But here's what's so drastically important. He said, but you are come to Mount Sinai. You are not marching to Zion. You are not one of these days going to be in Zion. Zion is the new covenant mountain of the house of the Lord. It's the place where oil and wine flows from Zion. It's the place where the redeemed of the Lord will return and come a singing to. Not a physical place, but they come to Zion, and everlasting joy will be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Because it's in this Zion that we are partakers of, you know, a new covenant. We've come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We're not coming to the heavenly Jerusalem. He said, you have come, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. You've come to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Let me just grab something here, uh, Jeremy, from Galatians, the fourth chapter. Uh, and I should have had you turn there. But uh, Galatians, the fourth chapter, and I want to read this from the Amplified Bible, because it so clearly says what I want, uh, want us to hear uh, today. Uh, it goes, let's, let's see, uh, Galatians the 4th chapter, uh, verse, I, I, I messed up there. Got to go down here again. Uh, it's verse number, let's see, verse number 21. Watch this. This is Galatians 4, verse 21 from the Amplified. Tell me, you who are bent on being under the law, will you listen to what the law really says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondmaid and one by the free woman. But whereas the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth, the son of the free woman was born by fulfillment of the promise. Now all of this is an allegory. These two women represent two covenants. I mean, this is clear to me. One covenant originated on Mount Sinai where the law was given. That's the one we just talked about in Hebrews. It was blackness, darkness. Uh, God who says if you touch the edge of the mountain, you'll be thrust through with the dark. He said, now these are an allegory. These two women represent two covenants. One covenant originated from Mount Sinai where the law was given and bears children destined for slavery. This is Hagar. Now Hagar is and stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia, And she corresponds and belongs in the same category with the present Jerusalem, for she is in bondage together with her children. But the Jerusalem which is above, the Messianic kingdom of Christ, is free, and she is our mother. For it is written in the Scriptures, Rejoice, O barren woman, and who has not given birth to children, break forth into a joyful shout, you who are not feeling birth pains, for the desolate woman has many more children than she who has a husband. But we, brethren, are children, not by physical descent, as was Ishmael, but like Isaac, born in virtue of the promise. Yet just as that time the child of the ordinary birth, that's the natural seed, born according to the flesh, despised and persecuted him who was born remarkably according to the promise and the working of the Holy Spirit, so it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out and send away the slave woman and her son, for never shall the son of the slave woman be heir and in share of the inheritance with the son of the free woman. So, brethren, we who are born again are not children of the slave woman, the natural, but of the free, the supernatural. I don't know if you get any clearer than how that just put <laughs> it. He's telling you the natural seed, the natural genealogy, The Jerusalem which now is, is Hagar, and is Mount Sinai, and is in bondage with her children to this very day because it makes slaves and not sons. But to us who are born again, we're not from the slave woman. He literally calls the natural seed Hagar here. That's not my words. This is what the Scripture says. But so brethren, we who are born again are not children of the slave woman. The natural, but of the free woman, that's the supernatural. So we're, we are come to Mount Zion. We are the heirs. Don't sell your birthright. Yes. Even the city of God here that it's talking about, this New Jerusalem, this Zion, this New Jerusalem is not a place. It's a people. Yep. It's the bride, the Lamb's wife. Just you know, to quote a few scriptures here, it says, for you know, uh, 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 Revelation chapter three says, to him that overcomes. I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the New Jerusalem. I'll make him a Mm -hmm. pillar in the temple of my God. He said, I'll write on you, who? The overcomer, the name of the city of my God. Jesus said in Matthew, you're a city set on a hill that can't be hid. You're the light of the world. You know, and he goes on talking about lights and salt and so forth. I, I mean, so many places he began, here he tells you that the city of God is not a place, it's a people. And then Revelation chapter 21 grabs that, and he says, I'm going to show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he said, he carried me away in the spirit, and, and he said, I saw heavenly Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. I saw the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And a voice said, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Revelation 21, is not about a place, it's about a people. Mm -hmm. The New Jerusalem, I'm going to say it as clear as I know how to say it, is the bride, the Lamb's wife. It is the community of faith. It is the household of faith built upon the foundation of the Apostles and Prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being chief cornerstone. I love, uh, it is the tabernacle of God, but once again we've showed that in the Old Covenant it was the natural building. In the New Covenant it's the spiritual. So we've not come to a physical tabernacle, but now we're the tabernacle of God. We've not come to a natural Jerusalem, we've come to a heavenly Jerusalem, the community of faith, the offspring that came by promise from a born again, because that Jerusalem, he calls it Hagar. Matter of fact, the book of Revelation calls it Sodom, it calls it that city Egypt where our Lord was crucified, it also calls it Babylon in the latter part of uh, Revelation, and it was destroyed and burnt by fire. And we will see, even as the book of Hebrews chapter 12 comes to a conclusion, he's saying, listen, everything that can be shaken is about to be shaken, and what remains will be the kingdom which cannot be removed. And it goes on to say, for our God is a consuming fire. So he's not talking about everything that can be shaken will be shaken somewhere out in the distant future. He was talking about what was happening in the first century when he said, don't refuse him who's talking to you from heaven, because this voice is going to shake everything that can be shaken, and what remains is going to be the kingdom that cannot be removed, and the consuming fire that our God is would come within just a few years and destroy all of that old system and remove it off the face of the planet. But i want to say this shit, and I'm going to throw it to you. But Matt, the Message Bible, Revelation 21 says it like this. He says, look, look, God has moved into the neighborhood. He's made His home with men. He's their God, they're His people. He'll wipe off tears from off of all faces. See, that's not some distant future. Somebody asked me one time, is Revelation past Revelation 21? Is it past, present, or future? And my response to that is, Yes. Yep. It's all of the above. But it's also, what we must see is the present reality of this city is that we are the city set on a hill. We're the bride, the Lamb's wife. What? No, you not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're the tabernacle of God, is with men. Yep. God has moved in the neighborhood, and property values just went up. Because when God moves in the neighborhood, He starts a major renovation program. And what we don't realize is God moved in the neighborhood, about 2,000 years ago. He's made his home with men. And from that capital city, Jeremy, the nations of the earth will be touched by the river that flows out of it. And I'll let you jump in there because we still got a good bit of time here.
0: Well, the uh, the bride that comes down adorned out of heaven was also the same woman that was in the wilderness. Uh, yep. the, what's happening in Hebrews is that this is the woman that's in the wilderness. we talked about, you know, we've talked about this, you know, in, in past segments. You've got to go back and watch. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, you know, she, just like the first ones that came out of Egypt yep. 40 years in the wilderness, these guys are 40 in a 40 year transition where they are a people without a country, basically. They're rejected by their own, you know, they're, they're, they're Jews that are rejected by Jews and being persecuted by them and being brought into prisons and killed. The same time the Romans are out to kill them and out to, you know, uh, uh, there was actually, I think it was under Nero, there was a fire that broke out and burned right. most of Rome. And they just they blamed it on the Christians and looked at it as another way uh, to try to put an end to them. So yeah. they're, they're being persecuted on all sides, and they're being, you know, and, and so there they really is. I mean, I, I can understand, hmm. you know, why even in this mindset you would think, well, you know what, it would be just easier for me to, to kind of just toe the line yeah. a little bit. At least I wouldn't have to worry about me and my whole, you know, family being killed all the time and yep. stuff like that. And being yep. brought in. But he's saying, you know, listen, this, this, this time is coming to an end, and there's about to be a kingdom that's birthed. After the destruction that took place in 70 A.D., they really did come out of the wilderness and began to come down as a bride adorned, and to a a a city that can't be destroyed. Yeah, yep. the reason it can't be destroyed because its people and it infiltrated the whole world, just in like words, they came out of Egypt.
1: And you know there was a city destroyed, Jericho, and then a city rebuilt. You know, in the Book yeah. of Revelation, it's a tale of two cities: yep. Babylon's destroyed, New Jerusalem is
0: set up. Yep. So well, these people, you know, the the city that was built was a people, and it began. It was it was it got so entwined into all the culture then after that destruction that all of a sudden, you know, you had you had just a couple years later where Rome begins to convert to Christianity. Yep, within three hundred years, you know, to a time where they went from a people that were being persecuted and and killed to a people who almost who at one point. Gets a hold of where they're they're ruling the the rulers. Yeah. Yep, you know yep. now, rather good or bad. Yep. That's how I mean. You, that was that, how strong the influence. That's was. how strong the influence is. That's how powerful the kingdom of God was, and really is, and should be. You know, in other words, if we're not seeing that same kind of of power and influence, there has got to be a mind change. Again, I think it's the robbing of our inheritance. You know we look at we look and go we we sit in churches and we complain about the world how bad it is and, and government and how corrupt y'all you know, well, when they're taking prayer out of school and they're you know they're they're mm-hmm. they want to take the ten Commandments down they're wanting to do all these things if that's happening, then it's because we have not we have not realized the power that you know and although you know again, we don't do this through swords and 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 spears and uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Yep. In other words, if we want to see this world change, somewhere along the line we have to begin to change our mind yep. about who we are. Yeah. The power that's given to us. These guys went from people that were being thrown into pits and being killed and being crucified and 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 stoned to death and, and, and killed and thrown into uh arenas to fight lions and things to a people that began to have political influence. Yeah. That began to change the world and began to uh you know where Christianity really is, the gospel has been preached all over the world. There are, in other words, it has spread. It's in every culture. It's in every, you know, even if, you know, we talk about places where it's, you know, uh, they're, they're not Christian nations. Christians are still yeah right there in the Sometimes midst of the world. Sometimes describing
1: more than it, some of them they
0: call Christian. Names. Yeah. And so, you know, we really begin to see just how powerful this kingdom really is. In other words, you know, we do not, again, we don't we don't do we don't we don't change the world through, we, through carnal weapons, but it's through the weapons of uh, what we have and what our weapons are uh, is is the preaching of the gospel. Again, it's simply declaring Jesus. What changed the house of Cornelius? They simply talked about Jesus. Yep. You know, Jesus. I, I think it was a scripture that said that uh, Jesus was preaching the gospel, and the house was full, and then that's where they lowered this man that was lame to him. Well, if Jesus is preaching the gospel, the gospel is the good news of the king. He's basically preaching himself. So, what began? What, what caused the house to be filled? What caused the line, lame man to walk? Was well, just simply the preaching of Jesus and, and the power of the kingdom that's available to us. If we want to see this world change, here's the thing that here's the power. It's it's preaching Jesus. Again, we talked about the the applying of the rod that Jesus is the rod of of the of Jesse. What drives foolishness out of the heart of a child is the applying of Jesus to our lives. What is going to drive the foolishness out of the world is the preaching of Jesus, applying Jesus to every aspect of our lives. You know, again, we we look at Hebrews. It's all about Jesus and applying Jesus. What's going to bring them out of persecution? Jesus. Yep. What's going to bring them into the kingdom? Jesus. What's going to bring them out of all the struggles they're going through? Jesus. What's going to do the same for us? It's it Jesus, yeah, yeah. and applying Jesus to our life and receiving Him in every aspect, we begin to look at the world. We don't see the bad. We we begin to apply Jesus to it. Yeah. What you know? In other words, if there's a bad situation, we need to look and see. Okay, how does Jesus apply to this? In other words, if there's somebody hungry, then maybe our response is not. You know. In other words, if if there's literally people hungry, it's not just preaching. It it's being the extension of who Christ is. Yeah. We feed the hungry. Yep. Yeah. You know just like jesus took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it and he gave it to the multitudes that where they were there where there was no food jesus began to feed them our response to people that are hurting and hungry is to feed and be the example yeah, of who yeah. christ is how we change the world is we don't make enemies of men we begin to we begin to change our mind about who the enemy is and we begin to receive yeah, them yeah. you know i, I like jesus said love your enemies yeah You know, uh, do good to those that spitefully use you. That because what happens is the more you begin to give them that response of who Christ is, more they're not gonna be your enemy anymore because there's nothing to fight. Yep. You know, so our response has to be from a perspective of here's we're giving Jesus in every aspect. What drives the foolishness out of the world is going to be the applying. I mean that applies I mean in your marriage. Your marriage bring Jesus into it. That
1: applies to your children, give them Jesus. That applies to your finances bring Jesus into yep. it. That applies to everything because it fits, you know, even, I was thinking while you said it, that the sword that comes out of his mouth in the book of Revelation is not a physical sword, it's the sword of the Word of God and the preaching of the truth of the Gospel. And the rod of iron that rules the nations is Jesus, yep. and His relentless love, and His
0: relentless, uh, you know, influence, yep, yep. you know. Uh, I I was just thinking there was uh, something we talked about uh at our church a couple weeks ago, and it was, uh, you know, that that the Word of God is quick and powerful, you know, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and and we always think about the Word of God being the Bible, and what we've done is we've used the Bible as a weapon. Mm -hmm. That's not been quick. It's not been powerful, and what it's done is really hurt people. Mm-hmm. But the Word, you know, the writer of Hebrews, when he's writing it, there wasn't a Bible. yeah. So he's not talking about that Word. He's talking about the Word of Christ. yeah. And that when you begin to use Christ, it's quicker. It, it, it's able Life to divide yeah. uh, from, from soul and spirit. Uh, you know, and it's able to bring... Because
1: in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the Word was, you know, was Christ. It, it's Christ. It's yeah.
0: Christ. And so when we begin to give the Word, it's, it's not a beating up thing. It's not, you know, because you know, we we're like, well, we got to live by the Word, and we got to tell these people what the Word is. We don't use it correctly. Yeah. We don't understand it's, it's, it, it. The Word isn't meant to destroy people. It's the Word of Christ. It's what, Christ yeah. is yeah. what changes us. Christ yeah. is what brings us into a new life. So our Word that we, that we begin to use as a quick and powerful and sharpening two-edged sword is the Word of Christ. We begin to apply Christ to people's lives. We begin to preach Christ. In, again, we preach Christ into broken marriages. We preach Christ into broken homes. We preach Christ into addiction. What happens is the yep. more we preach that, it breaks those things. It begins to change that, because Christ is the Word that's quick and powerful, and it's able to, to do uh, above what we can ask yep. or think of. It's the most powerful thing we can do, except it's yep. the thing we use the least.
1: Yep. And it really fits into the context and narrative of what we're saying here, mm-hmm. because it, in the latter part of Hebrews here it says, and look unto Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him who spoke on earth, it's talking about Moses and the ten and the law here, but the one who spoke on earth. In other words, the the giving of the law and the command of the law was speaking on earth. Much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who's speaking from heaven. So he's talking about speaking from the voice of the heavens or speaking from the perspective of the new covenant or speaking from the perspective of Zion, a word. And it goes on to say
0: 27. And this word. Yeah. Yet what's more signified through moving (laughs) of those things that are shaken? So this word is what does. Go ahead. No, No, you got it. it, You got it. it. It's the word of Christ. When we begin to preach Jesus Christ, that's the word. That's the power. And it begins to, if there are things that are shaken in your life, What's going to remove the things? What we're
1: preaching is probably
0: shaking a lot of people. but it's going to. But I'm telling you, the more that that's preached, the more the freedom comes in that. See, here's the thing: the things that are being shaken are the shackles. It's almost like when the, uh, uh, I believe it was Paul and Silas that were in that prison. They were in a prison, and they just simply began to praise and worship, and the prison got shaken, and 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 their shackles fell off. Until everyone in that and here, it wasn't just for them; it was everyone in that prison got freed in that moment from. Simply worshiping and and preaching Christ. What begins to remove us from the prisons we're in? Whether it's mindsets, whether it's religion, whether it is the You know things of the world addictions and broken things. What removes the 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 prisons that we're living in everything That's not kingdom. Yeah, I mean here's the thing you're in the prison of a bad marriage Divorce isn't going to help you. What's going to help you is when you begin to bring Christ you begin to preach Christ into it You begin to bring and I'm not talking about preaching. I'm talking about begin to to function as Christ would function. It's going to remove the present and it's going to begin to change some things in another direction.
1: Yep. Yeah. You know, it goes on to say here in verse 26, whose voice then shook? It's the voice that does the shaking. It's the gospel and the message of the kingdom that shakes. Yet once more, I shake not the earth, only but also heaven. And he's ta- and yet this word once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken. Talking about the old covenant things. Mm-hmm. That, in other words, the word that's speaking from heaven, you tell them, don't refuse the one who's talking to you from the new covenant, from yep. uh, this perspective, because this is the voice that did the shaking. Now, this had really first century ramifications, Absolutely. even in the natural, because, you know, he said everything is going to, can't be, can't be shaken, it's about to be shaken. I mean, everything in their world was going to shake. Yep. It. But this word, it was the word, the voice that was doing the shaking. But that voice still resonates, and that voice is still shaking right now there's a massive shaking going on as the gospel of grace and better covenant theology and the new covenants beginning to sweep the earth again it's really catching on and uh, you know it's shaking some old covenant thought which is wonderful it's what we leave behind that we so desperately hold on to that's really bad for us so that he goes on to say in, in 28 wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved here it is again let us have grace yep whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. In other words, He's going to burn up all of those things that are like Him. Everything in our lives that's not kingdom yep. can be shaken by the Word of God. Yep. Everything that's in your marriage that's bad can be shaken by the Word of God. I, I, we're about to run out of time, but it, you know, I, sometimes I think we think, well, let's just pass laws, to make people behave the way we want to in government, that way, you know, we could control people. The kingdom will come to government. We'll pass the laws that we want people to behave. If that was the way God wanted to do it with it, He already had it with the mosaic system. That's Passing laws doesn't do it. Well, that's that's what, slavery. That's slavery. That's not freedom. That's not that's not freedom. But in the climate of freedom, the word that flows from rest changes hearts. And it, the Word is what does the work, Not not forcing people to behave in the way you want them to. Man, we're about to run out of time. I, it just went so fast. <laughs> we're about to come to the end of this. This is the end of the 12th chapter of Hebrews. We thank you for uh, joining us for these segments. If you'd like to get behind what we're doing and become a partner with our ministry, it's very simple. You can go to our website at linhouse.com. There's a place where you can give via credit card or debit card, and you can actually set up a monthly debit there, which will take out the amount you want, and then at the moment you decide you don't want to do that anymore, you can go in there and change that. If you don't know how to set that up, you can call the number that's on the screen, and someone will help you do that. And if you call and don't get an answer, call. Uh, please leave a message and someone will return your call. You can give by check by sending it to the address on the screen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us.
0: The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.